Welcome to the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have two amazing and strong, powerful women on my podcast today, so I'm very, very lucky. And I want to mention one other thing. I know people. This, my my intro drives everybody crazy, but we have a video portion of this, so it, the music can be kind of long on the intro. But just bear with me. Uh, so today we have the owners of Sally and Soul Surf School in Huntington Beach. We have Catherine Caceres Marino. And we have Jazz Nicole. So I'm going to go over a little bit of their history first, and then we're going to get into this. So thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to have you both on. You're both uh, very energetic and hyper like me, so that's a good thing. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> not right now, we're not. <laughs> so so Kat, Kat has a BA in art from USC, and she has a master's from, from University of Arizona in art and visual culture and education. She's a lifelong athlete and a surfer, and she's a surf instructor now. And she's really has a lot of energy, and she's really, really a wonderful person. I have Jazz Nicole, who I've heard about for like months now, about being this amazing surfer, an amazing person. She went to the Academy of Arts in San Francisco, which I am very, very, uh, I know San Francisco very well, and I know your school very well, and in photography. And she's a lifelong surfer. She's been surfing since she was a teenager, and she's a competitive surfer now. And thank you both, both for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for thank having you. us. We're excited. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start off, um, and I'll ask you guys. You can answer both uh, one at a time. But um, tell me, can you kind of give me a little background on yourself, or what were you born and raised, and what were you? Uh, yeah, what kind of stuff did you do when you're growing up? Let's see. Should I go first? <laughs> um, I was born and raised in San Pedro, which is like the port of Los Angeles area. Um, and I grew up like five minutes from the beach. Um, however, where I grew up was kind of like rocky and lots of cliffs, um, beautiful trails to walk on. But we had to drive a little bit to go to an actual like um, beach. Um, but I loved to be in the ocean. I loved boogie boarding, swimming. Um, I was, I can't even remember um, when I learned to swim, I was so young. Um, and my mom just kind of threw us in the ocean cause she never wanted us to be scared of the water. So we were very lucky in that capacity. Um, but then, yeah, I pretty much, um, went to school in San Pedro and Long Beach Lakewood area, um, all throughout high school. And then, um, yeah, as, as you know, went to USC for my undergrad. So we're both Trojans. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I went to graduate school at the University of Arizona. I was very much drawn to the art field. Um, I've always been a creative person, always the kind of weird um, individual in my family that just saw things a little differently. Um, you know, would have um, photo shoots out in my front yard sometimes. Um, my neighbors would be looking over and like, what are you doing? <laughs> They'd see this like really elaborate studio shoot in my front yard. So yeah, um, that was kind of me, just the oddball growing up, um, which has led me probably to the surf world in some capacity. So yes, that's that's my background. You're next, Jazz. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Newport. Um, I mean, I remember going down to A Street on Balboa and taking the boogie board out and just love getting pounded by waves. And I think I would do that like every day with my family. Um, and then in middle school, we would go surf and, um, you know, there was never really a lesson. It was like, let's just go get, put the boards in the car and go down to the beach and then go on these little mini camp surf trips at Sano or trails and Doheny um, and then, yeah, I mean, I would ride my bike. I loved hiking. Um, and then I moved to college, San Francisco. And when I was in San Francisco, I really didn't do much of anything but party. I was freshly in college, grew up in a strict home. So I kind of just lost myself into the city and partying and friends and um, doing weird art things and creating. And then I ended up not staying at that school and moved back here to Orange County. So now I'm here and I'm a mom. Uh, my daughter's eight years old. So pretty much, yeah, there's there's a gap from college and then being a mom, kind of a weird gap there. And then now my life is just 
my daughter in the beach and our surf school and shaping surfboards and yeah. Yes, in addition, Jazz is a board shaper, so. So you have to get into that and tell us what that is. And so when you guys were growing up, what kind of activities or role models did you have growing up? That is a really good question. <laughs> I mean, dig, dig yeah. back. Um, I guess, this. you know, um, the one person I could think of that I really connected to when I was a teenager was my aunt, and she was an artist, um, my Aunt Vicky. And I remember feeling very bonded to her because she understood what it was like to be a creative person um, and kind of encouraged me down that path. Um, and, you know, she also is an educator, uh, which I also am an educator and have been for the past 20 something years um, through museum education and um, uh, education in academia. So, and now as a surf instructor, so um, my path has also been that of education. So yeah, I, I really think I felt um, she understood what it was kind of like to be um, on the outside of things sometimes um, and just seeing things uniquely and not always falling in um, line with like traditional ways of learning or traditional approaches to things. So yeah, I would say my aunt was a big influence on me. I don't even know if she knows that. I should tell her. <laughs> and Jazz, what about you? Oh man, that's tough. I mean, for me, my grandmother was kind of really out there, like this wild eccentric woman. She was a merchant marine and she was like climbing massive ships and like super, super crazy adventure, like went to Morocco and, you know, all these different places on a boat, mainly full of men. And so um, she was definitely like a role model and inspiration. But other than that, I would say just bands like I love 60s rock and roll, the Rolling Stones, Hendrix, the Doors, like that was my escape and my role model to just be who I am and be weird and um, unapologetic, I guess, in a sense. Uh, also, you know, different photographers and artists. I love uh, Frida Kahlo and Salvador Dali. And, you know, for me, all these wild, weird kind of eccentric people were role models because I was like, wow, like other people are like paving the way or have paved the way to just be who you are. And for me, that's always kind of who I wanted to be growing up. And my family, other than my grandmother, my family were kind of conservative and kind of reserved and held back. And I just did not care. I was like, this is who I am. And I was always getting in trouble because my I have an overactive mind and I'm ADD, but we didn't know at the time. And so, um, yeah, lots of, lots of crazy stories, but yeah. And when you guys were in high school, did you kind of know where you wanted to go with your lives? I mean, we're going to get into why you're, you have a surf instructor school now and why you both love teaching. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I any, I, road leads. <laughs> so, so what, I mean, what was your high school years like? And did you have any idea what you wanted to do or where, where you were going to go? And have you always been this strong? Both of you are very strong, very passionate women. Have you always been that way or? Can you give me an idea about that a little bit? I've always been that way. I have always been kind of gung-ho, like, this is my choice. This is my decision. I'm following through with it. I don't care if you don't like it. If you do like it, that's cool. I've always kind of been, um, I guess, like the black sheep of my family. Like, I really don't care what other people think. I'm going to do it. If I believe in something, I will stand up for it. Like, I will stand in front of a tank to end the war, kind of person um so that's kind of been me and, and she's a little more audacious <laughs> in high school I knew I wanted to go to art school I didn't apply for other colleges I knew I wanted to be a photographer um after college um ended up dropping out of art school and coming back to Orange County took a couple CC classes and was working, I mean, at age 19, working as a photographer for Orange County Nightlife. And I was doing the photojournalism for this magazine, and I would get into any show I wanted to, and it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of talent, and then I got pregnant with my daughter, and 
Um, I just kind of shifted my focus, my priority. Um, and I still miss it. I still want to be, I want, my goal was to be a documentary photographer and go travel around the world documenting like hardship and, you know, the war and things like that. And being a light in this media source, because I feel like the media portrays things in a negative light and is so censored. So to bring realness into the media was and still is my goal, but it's just now a little different, I guess. Yeah, for me, I think um, it wasn't as clear my path. I, I do know that I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't know how that was gonna take shape. Um, and I did end up really connecting with photography as well. Um, jazz and my paths are so similar in certain mm -hmm. ways. But um, yes, not, definitely not as audacious as jazz. Like I was just a little more timid when it came to realizing um, who I was as a creative person. Um, and I think even still, sometimes it's a muscle that I have to like continue to use and flex and it's just not always something that is clear and present in my mind. So it, it's a practice for me. And also um, being an educator, like it's actually as equally as important to me now. And, and that did not come to fruition until I think graduate school. When I started teaching people about photography, I worked for the Center for Creative Photography in Tucson, Arizona. And I absolutely loved um, examining photography and um, being able to tell people about the photographs in the collection and seeing their faces light up when, um, you know, they had the same realization that I had about something that we were looking at and how powerful, again, like as Jazz mentioned, media is. Um, and photography being a major part of that and being able to influence people's ideas and thoughts and enlighten them through visual mediums was just really exciting to me. And um, just clicked. And so, yeah, all of these things, um, as far as like becoming a photographer, a practitioner of it, as well as um, teaching people about it, becoming an art historian, um, becoming um, part of visual education, uh, this was a path that I kind of, I wouldn't just say stumbled on, but I didn't know how it was going to look. And then I was, um, felt very, I still feel very fortunate that I was able to find like passions that um, that I enjoyed and, you know, even, even now with my surf school, you know, like finding, um, work within the passions that I have. And when did you both decide, you know, I know you both are lifelong athletes. When did you decide, you know what, uh, I want to make this a career. I want to go ahead and start teaching surfing all the time. And what kind of brought both of you to make this decision together? Because like I said, I think you're the only, um, surf school that has two women that, that are the owners it's, it's a it's a very much still male dominated profession so we were sitting on the patio probably late december and kat was like god i just wish i could make this my career <laughs> i was like well we can like yeah. we can do whatever we want and she's like what and i'm like yeah like let's start a surf school and so our little idea came to fruition and you know it's definitely there it's been amazing there's challenges sometimes and yeah also too um jazz is definitely more of the lifelong athlete i was very athletic when i was younger <laughs> sorry <laughs> we're sorry. sitting on a couch um, anyways so i was definitely a lifelong athlete um when i was young, not a lifelong athlete, excuse me. I was a, definitely an athlete when I was younger, but then I had a really bad knee injury that kind of took me out um, of really doing much of anything for, I would say a couple, like a decade and a half um, throughout my twenties into my early thirties. Um, and I think it was just a lot of bad advice from doctors and um, a lot of just kind of believing that I couldn't, I wasn't capable of certain things because of my injury. Um, and, and I finally had this realization that, um, you know, my, my injury was never going to get better <laughs> and that, um, I just had to manage it. And, um, there had been so much new information out there about how to do that. And so many, um, tips 
from different athletes and other people that I was really inspired by. Um, and just, you know, basically the natural world calling me like um, to like hike mountains and run trails and um, be in the ocean and surf and things that I thought were way beyond my capacity, my physical capacity. Um, and I just proved all of those doctors wrong. And I also proved myself wrong and, and right at the same time, like where I just had this little calling that was like, you can do this. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it's definitely, um, been a journey back to connecting with my body, um, and being that young athletic girl that I was at one point pr prior to the injury. So, uh, yeah, just, just so people out there who feel like they, that surfing is really hard and they can't do it. It is really hard, but you can do it. So even if like you have physical um, limitations or haven't been connected to your body in a long time, there is a path and it might be hard, but like at the end of it, you can become a surfer. And, and what drew you both to the sport? There's gotta be something, what gives you, you know, um, what kind of reward does was participating in the sport give both of you? So for me, I probably about four, almost five years ago, I had a baby. And after that baby, I had postpartum depression and anxiety. And I was just laying around every single day, like so depressed, I couldn't help it. it never really like dealt with depression that bad. And, um, I finally was like, I can't do this. Like I have boards in the garage that are sitting there. I'm going to go get back in the water and surf again. And I went and I had such a great time connecting with mama ocean and myself and just like taking everything in. And I just pushed myself to go every single day after that. And after that, it was like a no brainer. I was like, I cannot miss a day surfing. Like this is what's making me happy. And I pulled myself out of that depression and anxiety and kind of just created my lifestyle, how I wanted it to look, you know, um, you know, mental health. I think a lot of surfers can relate why we all find the ocean and surf, you know, um, the ocean is so powerful and scary, but, you know, so humbling. Um, for me, it's, you know, the ocean is in control when you're out there. Like, you have to surrender to the ocean. And, of course, there's ways that you can control your board and control your body. But for me, I love surrendering to the ocean. Like, that is all time for me. It pulls me out of like any bad mood, any frustration, any moment of sadness, um, and just connecting with nature, you know, and the sun and salt and all of it together. Hence Sally soul. <laughs> um, so for me, I think I've always had a deep connection with the ocean. It, it, there's no way I wasn't influenced by it, you know, being a baby in the water and just, um, growing up so close to it. And it's just, um, a wilderness that I've always admired and um, been drawn to. Um, I think as humans, we are drawn to nature, um, and things that, um, are inspiring and bigger than ourselves. And um, I always say that the ocean has a lesson for you every day. Um, you just have to show up and see what that lesson is. Um, and yeah, I think um, I was on this journey again to reconnect with my physical self after that injury um, and having been disconnected from my physical self for so long. So I got really into like weight training and running and again, hiking and just being in nature and um, the ocean just kept calling me back to it. And surfing, I was, you know, I was doing this thing where it was like, do something that makes you uncomfortable and scared. <laughs> and like surfing was kind of always there in the back of my mind as something that was really hard and probably not for me. Um, but because I was on this journey of challenging myself, I decided to take a surf lesson and um, it completely changed my life. Um, and, you know, just 
felt so um, mentally satisfying and physically exhausting, but in a very satisfying way as well. And I think a lot of times the two go hand in hand. Um, but also just when you're out there, um, it's unlike anything else in the world. I mean, you're playing with the pure energy of nature and uh, there's no other place on earth that you can do that. Um, I was even thinking about this in terms of like skydiving or skiing. It's not the same. There's this huge mass of energy rolling at you um, and you're about to play with it and dance on it. And so um, I can't think of any other sport that does that in such a, a direct way. Um, so that's intoxicating. And then, um, also, you know, when you start, when I started on my physical journey, um, to reconnect, it was just kind of like this thing of what else can I do? Like, what else can I do that I didn't think I could before? And I managed to do it. So, uh, yeah, so surfing was definitely, um, that draw, that was the draw for me was just like going up beyond my comfort zone. I really like what you just said about, and this goes back to like motivational stuff and leadership is doing something un that you're uncomfortable with and scared of. And I think both of you, you know, I think both of you have taken this on. And why do you both think it's important to push yourself into situations where you're un uncomfortable and scared in? I think it's important because if we don't put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, we stay in this same capacity and we never know what's outside of that. So essentially we're, we're growing when we're pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone and we're gaining all these skills like confidence and trust and who we are and able to see like, wow, I can do something other than what I've told myself, right? These limiting beliefs. Um, and I feel like a lot of people have these limiting beliefs, we, these stories we tell ourselves that are just not true. You know, maybe it's influenced by parents or childhood trauma or friends that don't support you, things like that. And so I think as teachers and surf instructors, we strive to um, carry that with our surf school and teach our students these things. You know, it's more than just a surf lesson. We want to uplift other people and empower other people and get people to realize that, okay, we have this limiting belief, but this is not where we have to be with ourselves. Like we can meet ourselves so much further than we've ever even imagined. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when you're learning and, um, and discovering new things about yourself, it's so fulfilling. And, um, you know, so often I'm in the water with students and, you know, the fear center just goes on in their head. But then um, once I push them into enough waves and, you know, get them tumbled enough and they just like, lose that fear and they start to actually perform and gain the skills, um, there's just an elation there that is like undescribable because, um, you know, everything is, is dictated by fear. <laughs> so like so many people operate from that place, but once you recognize that that's what it is and like you kind of like lift the hood of that fear and realize that there's nothing really there to be afraid of, then it's so empowering, like to just, to push past your own fears. Um, so, I think surfing does that all the time. And I also think it's not something where like once you push past a fear, then you're done and like you can rest the rest of your life. I think it's a constant thing that you have to pursue and remind yourself and constantly try to find things that are uncomfortable and challenging. Um, it's like a muscle that you flex. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I myself still, I will paddle out to a wave and I'm like, oh dear, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if this is too much for me, but you know, like I'm going to try it and find out. And, you know, there's again, like there's so many lessons that the ocean gives you, even advanced surfers. Um, it's not something that ever kind of stops with the ocean. Um, there's always a new situation, a new wave. Every wave is unique. Um, so it, it's a great exercise in finding discomfort, but also like finding so much joy once you punch through whatever it was you were afraid of. 
And what are the particular challenges either of you can think of being in kind of a male dominated sport? And <laughs> where, do, where do we start? <laughs> Let me pull out my list. Hold I on. mean, gosh, I mean, just I think we can start with like the misogyny, right? Like that's not only in surfing, that's just everyday life. But I mean, there there have been moments but more so in certain in certain sports and and yeah surfing definitely it has been male dominated i get fired up about this topic because <laughs> we've been well no bring, bring bring it on i i want to know like if you can give me specific instances or stories or just any anything that we I, can learn I from you guys talking trash in the water because i'm catching wave after wave after wave and they're on the wrong board at like a longboarding spot and they're not catching waves and they're like talking trash like oh i'm gonna drop in on her she's getting all the waves you know things like that i've had guys at the pier like oh you know i miss a paddle miss a wave it happens oh if you scoop back a little like you'll catch the wave and i'm right. like oh really really paddle get the wave come back like hmm, should i should i scoop back and some guys get it and they're like, oh, I'm sorry for the unsolicited advice. Yeah. Some guys don't get it. And I mean, I've had moments at my local break where a guy is say, saying something about how I'm paddling. You know, my foot goes back and forth when I paddle. And that happens to a lot of girls. Even some guys do it, you know. And um, I came back and got into it with the guy and I was like, just get out of the water if you're gonna be rude and bring this bad energy you know like why are you here you know and the guy got out but um even cat like she had her leash pulled by a guy in the water yeah he and was both of us lost it like yeah he was i accidentally got in his way on a wave um and i apologized and then i paddled away and then he um for the rest of the surf session followed me from peak to peak trying to drop in on me and and my friends and then also I think at one point pulled my leash you know and it was just so shocking that this person had so much anger towards me for accidentally you know dropping in on one wave on a very busy day like but it this was... guy dropped in on me like three times where like I was like on the wave like I was on the wave like screaming like I'm going left like hey like kick out I'm already on this you know and so and it's it's hard to say like okay he did that because i'm a woman right but i don't think he would have done it to you you know because if he had pulled your leash you probably would have turned around <laughs> and tried to like you know hit him with your board or something you know it's like no one's gonna like try to mess with you but like with me he knows i'm not gonna do anything so because because i'm a girl because he knows he can intimidate me um or try to so yeah so that's what's hard so it, it you know a lot of people say well how do you know that's because he's doing that because you're a woman it's like well because i know he wouldn't do it to like a six foot two man <laughs> you and know also i think it's really important for women to speak up in the water like i am so mouthy and fiery and if other people don't have that voice i will definitely be that voice for people but i really encourage women to speak up and and also for men, if they see something in the water, like see something, you say something, you know, like stand up for other people in the water. And, um, you know, there's like such a hostile energy sometimes being in this male dominated sport and the competition of it and all of that. And at the end of the day, like it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that. Like I love competition as much as the next person, but it does not have to be like that in the water. Also, let me say that there are plenty of men out there that are like wonderful in the water who absolutely support women being mm -hmm. in the water and have like elevated other women, have elevated me uh, and absolutely want us to be there. So it's not all like a bunch of bad guys running around. However, I, I, you know, I surf with some women who are in their sixties, they're total badasses. And they, um, you know, talk about how, you know, in the eighties, like they would literally get chased out of the water. And, um, you know, so thinking about the fact that that wasn't that long ago, um, where like you would get yelled at so badly that you had to get out of the water. It's because someone was like, like, just basically 
yelling at you so much and cussing so loud and threatening you that like, you know, we're no longer safe to be there. Um, so, you know, and those guys are still surfing today, you know, they're in their sixties too. So it's not like that element is completely gone. And to know that that was the foundation of, um, or the, the beginnings of a lot of women surfing. Um, yeah, those, those, that still lingers. It's not, it's not completely gone out of the water. So. And then what makes your company so unique in this space compared to other uh, other instructors because like i said like i said before you're like one of the first schools in orange county that you have two women that are the owners what have been like the unique challenges to you as a business and what makes your school uh, different than other surfing experiences so you know when i was first starting to teach i had so many um female uh uh, students who were just like so shocked that I was that I was a female instructor <laughs> and they said oh my god you're a woman like I'm so I'm so they would be so um delighted when they found out like that that I was teaching them that day um and I was kind of surprised by that and they just would talk about how they had had so many um male instructors um and I think just in general, what was behind that was that sometimes as a woman learning, um, you know, we have so much pressure at the beach to like look good and perform well. And just, um, you know, there's just this element that can be a little intimidating um, as a woman in the water as well, just for all the reasons we talked about. Um, so when you eliminate that and it's another female teaching you, I think there there is it, it just removes one layer of hesitation that you might already have about getting in the ocean. Also, you know, some of the women did tell me that they would be hit on by their surf instructor, um, which again is not the best for a learning environment <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, so I think um, when you have another woman teaching you for, for some, some people, it just, it makes it a safer, more comfortable space to learn. Um, so that's one aspect, but also I think for Jazz and I, we're really, um, you know, passionate about getting everyone in the water who wants to be there. So like, you know, our big thing is no one owns the ocean and it's for everyone. Um, and so like the BIPOC community, um, as well as women, um, and people with disabilities, you know, anyone who really has that passion to learn that the ocean is a healing place and it can be so fulfilling again. Um, so we want to encourage that. And for so long, the marketing of surfing and the people who have had access to the ocean very easily did not reflect those groups. So um, it's happening, you know, it's changing, but and, and we just want to be a part of that and encourage um, that path forward. Definitely. I think you know, there have been challenging moments for, you know, people of color getting into the water. And so for us to create that space for people is so important. And, um, you know, for me, like, I love being out there surfing. And if I could make an impact on even just one kid's life, like seeing a brown girl catching a wave and her being stoked on that, like that is, that's the mission and the goal is for people of any shape, size, color, however they identify to feel comfortable and, you know, just feel like that they're taken care of and nurtured truly when they're with us. Also, um, I wanted to mention plus size bodies because I think that's a huge thing just in beach culture in general um that like the beach is only for extremely fit young people um and and that also extends to surfing um and it's so ironic or not even ironic it's just sad that um that so much of the surf marketing has been so influential to who gets in the water because you know uh, surfing or at least like the the culture of surfing that we know today started in hawaii with people of color and that's the you know the origin um so the fact that that wasn't reflected in mass media um and was also influential in um you know keeping certain groups out of the water then um it just it it just seems very strange and and indicative of you know how um 
our culture it's a it's a microcosm of the, the bigger u.s culture you know um what do you guys think are the biggest misconceptions about surfing um well one of them was just what i was talking about which was um that if the ocean is only for like young fit people or surfing is only for young fit people that like which is so not true um you can be from any background with any body type and there is a way for you to catch a wave what about you just what do you think uh... and what i mean by misconceptions is that people think hey there's scary animals in there or you know i'm afraid that you know if i fail that you know, if I fall off the board, I, I can never get up on that board. Like, what are some of the misconceptions that you hear from your students that say, you know, I'm kind of scared to get into the ocean. I don't, I don't know how to start. Or I think you brought up a few minutes ago, you know, the body stuff. Um, are, there, are there some of those things that you can work through with your students and say, and, and how do you work through that with getting through those fears? I think the moment we take a phone call for booking a lesson is like the second cat does our booking and she's amazing. And there are girls that will say, Hey, like, Oh, also like, do you have a wetsuit for me? I'm kind of a bigger curvier girl. And like, just like that, like that someone feels like they have to even say that, that is what's huge and what we're trying to change because it doesn't matter what size you are doesn't matter your background, like, you know, we, we do have wetsuits of all sizes, you know, but that's like first that going in, like that's someone's first fear is like, that's what we're trying to change. Right. Is that misconception that you have to look a certain way, um, or be a certain way. Um, and then also, yeah, people in the water who, you know, I've been teaching lessons where, the clients like, oh my God, I'm going to fall. Like, I don't want to stand up. And, you know, to say like, well, that's a part of it is like you fall and then you get back on the board. You fall, you get back on the board. You might have to do it 30 times, but at the end of the day, like you're going to get up and it's going to feel amazing. And like pushing past just the mindset, even like, you know, sometimes I get in my head and I'll be kind of scared and like, and then I'll take this bomb wave and then I'm like, oh, my God, why was I even worried? You know, like, but there's something in our brain that just has to shift. And once we can shift and let go of that fear that we have, we can do anything. So I think back to like that attitude of like anything is possible. You just have to want it. Right. And, you know, some people really, really want it. And then some people are like, oh, like, you know, some people can't get past it and that's okay. Like if we've had girls and guys in the water who have had anxiety attacks and we get them out of the water, we sit with them, we meditate, we do breath work. And, you know, I don't think any other surf school around here does anything like that, you know, and I think we can pride ourselves on that because um for someone truly to be seen like and not just force like well this is what you're paying for come on just get back on the board you know like we truly want to sit with people and like work through these hang-ups that people have and whatever anxiety and fear that they have um we want to work at eliminating it yeah i think the only thing that you would have to that is required is a level of determination, you know, no matter again, what your background is, body type, um, you know, if you're afraid of the cold, if you're afraid of the wildlife, um, there's ways to work through all those things. Or if you're just afraid of the water, if you have a fear of drowning, all, all of those things, if you, but you have to really want it. Like that is the, the one piece that, you know, we can't force on somebody. Um, every time I teach a lesson, I kind of have an inkling about whether someone is going to turn into a regular surfer or not. And it's because I see in their eyes, this determination that they, they want it. Um, and that's the only thing that I can't teach it someone, but that is absolutely required. Um, and everything else there's solutions for, you know, um, 
And I think the misconception again is that you have to be this perfectly athletic young person um, who is competitive or who has a lot of skill um, and is flexible and all these things like to be in the water. And, and again, that's just simply not true. So, Please. oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead I just wanted to touch on the wildlife topic because you said it twice. So um, yeah, that is a huge thing is like, people are like, oh my God, there's sharks, you know? And so, you know, I've been surfing for a long time. I've seen like leopard sharks in the water. Like I actually kicked a huge leopard shark surfing at my favorite break. Um, they're harmless. They don't do anything. I haven't seen a great white shark ever. So, and I've served a lot of places all over the world. <laughs> I mean, people have that fear, right? But it's also a, another mental thing, you know? Um, I, I think that, like, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I think it's, it's comparable to, like, hiking a trail and being worried about a mountain lion. You know, they're definitely there somewhere. Yeah, they're you there. Know? And, but like, they're not usually coming after people. And if you do hear about an attack, it's like one in a million, you know, um, chance that that's going to happen. Or like, but, you know, it's not like we're, some people paddle out in shark infested waters. That's their own deal. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, the sharks here in Southern California um, tend to be juveniles. And um, they're not really interested in eating people. Um, if they were, none of us would be in the water. <laughs> and they've done so many studies, like Long Beach and Seal Beach, like they have done so many studies, um, you know, flying the drones up and just kind of observing um, the sharks. And honestly, they're not that interested in us. Yeah. You know, you're on a board and they're worried about other things. And I mean, if, you know, if you're going over to a shark, you see a shark and you're provoking it, of course something's going to happen to you. But if you're just paddling around, surfing, having a good time, you know, typically here it's kind of really unheard of. Right, right. And I mean, again, like there has been instances, but there's so few and far between. And it's it's equivalent to being worried about the, the wildlife in in the forest. Um, and so many people go on hikes all the time and don't even think about that. It doesn't even cross their mind. But again, mass media and, you know, Steven Spielberg's <laughs> eternal um, scary movie Jaws, like just it's it's now in like our social consciousness and, and there's no way to like unravel that. So um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, you, you are paddling out into the wilderness, you will see wildlife. I mostly see dolphins. Um, I have never seen a shark, um, but the, the more the, the thing that I'm actually worried about most, as far as wildlife on a daily basis, is the stingrays. Um, those are the things that actually will hurt you, <laughs> yes. and the ones that, uh, yeah, that we constantly see and have to be mindful of as we get in the water. Um, yeah. So it's like we do the stingray shuffle, and we don't put our feet down. So. Um, so it's funny that it's the little things that get you in the end, not necessarily, you know, um, the apex predators. <laughs> well, let me at least say this. We, we have listeners from all over the world. And uh, that's one thing I have to say I'm pretty proud of. We have people from all walks of life listening to the podcast and all over the world. If somebody wanted to go s learn how to surf, but and, they, and they, they're not in a financial situation or in a situation or near a beach, let's say. How could someone practice surfing and pop-ups and all these other wonderful things before? And if you just say, you know what, I'm, I plan on surfing one day, but, you know, I'm not in a situation I can do it now. What advice would you give to someone if they wanted to start working on that and working toward learning how to surf? I would say YouTube is your best friend. Watch YouTube videos of people surfing um, if you want to. Longboard or shortboard, watch surfing videos. They're surfing. There, there are tutorials on a perfect pop up. There are tutorials on a surf workout, um, and really just training your body. Um, Swimming, you know. doing breath work. Like if you yeah. have a, a pool, a local pool, um, you know. There again, like Jazz said, there's so many great resources as far as um, 
YouTube on how to do breath work and hold your breath for long periods of time while you're doing physical exercise underneath the water. That's a huge one. Even a balance board. And if you don't have money for a balance board, you just mm -hmm. get a foam roller. They're like $5 and like a piece of wood that can carry, carry your body weight and try balancing on it and watch videos on that. Yeah. And even just laying on the ground and doing the paddling motion and popping up like over and over, you know, that's usually the homework that we send our students home with is like, go home and lay on the ground, paddle and pop up and just with that repetitive motion so that the muscle memory and the body kicks in. And when you're out there, it does translate different, obviously on a board and in the water, but it's it helps. just that kind of basis baseline for people. Yeah, no, it, it, it creates a great foundation. Um, if you know, you're doing breath work and doing pop-up, um, routines and, and like Jess says, there's, there's great, um, uh, like pro, a lot of pro surfers have, um, great YouTube channels that, um, they show you techniques to build those muscles. Um, so yeah, there's always a way to build that foundation. So once you finally do get in the water, you know, you're, you're a little bit more, like you're a step ahead. And what does it do in terms of fitness level, like the mental and physical uh, benefits of it? Have you guys have any insight about that? What kind of uh, physical mental benefits does it give your students? I mean, I, I know for myself that it is so connected to my mental health, being out in nature every day um, and also just getting my heart rate up um, and having that, um, yeah, that dopamine <laughs> and um, adrenaline rush and all those things help you. Like, I, I think, um, I don't know the science behind all of it, but I just know for myself that um, those things help me mentally. And also um, it just makes me a clearer thinker. And it, it's a form of meditation. It really is. I mean, um, I feel like whenever you're doing something that is like takes a lot of focus and skill, um, you just are get so singular minded and, and your mind is like, when I'm about to catch that wave and pop up on it, like my mind is clear of everything. Like, and I think that that is a really healthy place mentally for people to go to, um, whether it's through meditation or physical activity or both, um, just being able to clear your mind um, and just focus so singularly on one thing. Um, it just is a, is a wonderful mental break for, I think, anyone. Yeah, I think I agree with that completely. Like I'm in the water as much as I can be just because I don't have to think about anything else. And it's so nice to just, it's truly a place of meditation and calm and tranquility um, and just pouring love into yourself also, like it's a service to yourself to go move your body, be in the sun, be in the ocean and, um, you know, moving the body just is so great for your mental health and your brain. Like if you are sad or upset or depressed or hurting, like go for a walk get outside. If you can't go to the beach like go find another place in nature, but I think it's, it's huge. Like it's incredible what nature can do for our, for our minds, you know, and moving our body and raising those endorphins. Well, so, we, we have like, we have like five minutes here. I, I know it, it went fast. Everybody always says fast. they do this. They go, oh, my goodness. They just, but um, I'm going to ask you one last question each. And then um, I want you guys to, give you know provide your information where they can contact you and how they can get a hold of you and one of the things i wanted to really uh highlight with with you two is that i know that once you give a lesson you guys really build community and you always invite you you always invite the people you teach to come out and surf with you again which is i think is very very unique to to you guys you're building this community of surfers and you're very very um helpful and loyal to the people that you train so um but here's my last question for you guys. We have like two or three minutes here. Um, what do each of you want to be remembered for when you are gone from this earth? Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Martine, you said that for the last five minutes? <laughs> yeah. 
it's a, it's a nice, it's my, my nice end of question. So honestly, for me, it's like, I'm just all about spreading love and aloha spirit, you know, just good vibrations and, you know, always making sure that you help someone out, someone else in this world, you know, like this world is such a crazy and at times such a dark place. And so to be able to just help people and spread love, like that's, I think the most important thing. And I instill that in my daughter as well, you know, um, and you just, you take care of your tribe. Yeah. I think, um, being someone who was of service to others and who, um, gave fulfillment, you know, to the people that I, um, you know, was on in my journey with. Yeah. So same thing, I, I think as Jazz was saying, I'm going to echo that, like just being this source of love and, uh, and, um, empowering others and, um, deeply connecting with those around me. Well, I want to thank you both for being here. I want to thank my producer, Brian, for doing a wonderful job as usual. We're going to have an amazing guest next week. We have a, a wonderful gentleman from special forces in Australia. And, uh, can you give them their contact information, Kat, if they want to get a hold of you, take a lesson and your yes. website and all that information. So let's see for, um, uh, Follow us on Instagram at uh, Sal Esol Surf School, S-A-L-Y-S-O-L Surf School. And that's our Instagram handle. And then to um, look us up and book a lesson, um, you, I mean, well, you could do it that way too. You could just DM us um, for our, in our Instagram. Um, but also for our website, it's www.salesolsurf.com. So again, S-A-L-Y-S-O-L-S-U-R-F. Dot com, um, and that has our phone, my phone number, um, where you can reach me and and we can chat about what it is you want to do. <laughs> and thank you so so much for everything. And do you want to give your? Do you have a phone number you can give real quick, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Yes, my phone number um, to book a lesson is three one zero six eight six three eight seven two. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Keep up the great work. You know, I got nothing but love for you too. And Aww, yeah, just keep, yeah, just keep trying to change the world for the better and one step at a time. And uh, yeah, if you like the podcast, give it a thumbs up and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Yes. I'll see you awesome. in the water tomorrow.